Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Spinoffs. M&A and earnings. That is the theme of today's show. We've got a lot or a few of each. A couple of M&A headlines, one, uh, one spinoff headline, and a lot of earnings. A lot of earnings. Uh, most of them from this morning, but a handful from yesterday afternoon. So we'll cover as many of those as we can. Our guest at 8.35 will be Bill Studebaker. He is the uh, CIO at uh, Robo Global, and he's going to talk to us about a pair. Uh, well, they have three ETFs. Uh, two of them uh, have done ex- exceptionally well uh, this year, robotics ETFs. One of them is a robotics healthcare ETF. So we'll talk about how COVID has sort of impacted that sphere at 8.35. I want to remind everyone to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We appreciate any and all likes. And now I will throw it to Joel. And Joel, tell me how hard we bought the dip last night, because I bet you we bought it pretty hard. It was it was actually old Dennis. It started when he came on the show yesterday afternoon at like three fifty five. He put in seven hundred and twenty two and a half buy orders and pushed up the market on the close. Uh, strong close uh, follow through this morning. Pre market low thirty three ninety. Uh, that's right there near the close at 93.50. So we'll see if we get that low. I don't know if we're going to knock it on the door of the pre-market high. 34.10 to your pre-market high. Folks, I got nothing for you there. So that's not going to be the high of the day. Next target on the upside, 29.50. That was the interday high from yesterday. Uh, crude in that trading range uh, got into the 38 handle yesterday, trying to rally up 30 cents at 38.86. Gold in the red by 80 cents, man. This thing is always at 1905. I think it's just stuck there. Look at the chart on that one. That is winding up. Silver up 90, uh, almost a dime, nine cents here at 24.51. And don't look now, Bitcoin fans, up 400 and 40, $400 at $13,445. Wow. Look at Bitcoin. Yeah. Dennis, were you out there buying some? Uh, I want to buy Bitcoin. You know, it's never told me where to buy it, how to yeah. do it. I should have just bought GBTC just like Jason. I know. Not worried Jason. about the spread, not worried about the premium that I'm paying for the product. Just buy it because it's going up. 20000 I don't know. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to argue with the technicals. I think it's going higher. Maybe I'll, I'll dig up. I'd uh, be a buyer of pullbacks if I was a crypto trader. You know what? I'm going to get a crypto guest on. Uh, next week, who's Let's our favorite? It. Who's our favorite crypto guest? Get be- that! Uh, who's the big crypto guy? Well, we we also have Mark Yusko, who's good too. But Mark's got his partner there that he does something with. What's who's the guy? Right. Um, uh, do you know name, the big name? His name is Andrew and some with an A, right? Andrew Anthony. Uh, yeah, I, I know um, Pompey. What, what's his name? Pompey. Yeah, Pom- not Pompeo, but it, it's something like <laughs> that's something like, like that. that. No, Spencer, it, it, where you at with getting used pump, on? Pump pay? I haven't gotten Mark on yet, but I'm working on Did it. Did you send uh, any emails yet? What's going on? No, 
I, I, I would do it today. I, I, I would, I, you could have said yes because you know I don't look at my email, and you could have said that you did. Right. Uh, but uh, anyways, you know, just before we get talk about the marks, you know, Triple D, how I'm always willing to say, you know, make these hundred, you know, range bats like thirty five oh eight, thirty three oh eight. You know what? The high and the low for the week may be in. I think we're gonna grind this week. I think you got. I mean, unless you get some. It was big a pretty COVID. wild day yesterday. It's not that much of a bold call, to be honest. Yeah. And you're right in the middle here. Yep. I think. I mean, it's dip gonna... was bought. Yep. Dip was bought. Pretty and much I... right when I came back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's gonna be like a day off for me and Spencer having having you on the show. But uh, I'm quiet here this morning. Yeah, I, just... I got it all out last night. I'm pretty sleepy this morning. <laughs> Tired. <laughs> Okay. A little bit, just just tired. One of those tired Tuesday mornings after long weekend there. And, so then his name is Anthony Pompliano. That's his name. Pompliano. That was, that was nice. nice. Let's get him on there. Reach out to Anthony. I've talked right. to him on Twitter before. He seems like a nice guy. Let's get him on. All right, we're gonna let Spencer run the show, so we actually cover more than three stocks. Oh wow! All right, didn't realize that was gonna happen. Okay, boom. Let- Let's go to this AMD Xilinx uh, story. So this was not new news, right? It was reported a few weeks ago. Yeah, but everybody uh, forgot but, about it. But now official, well, now official is the difference. So AMD is going to buy uh, Xilinx. They announced this in their earnings report, uh, which they also ha- have out this morning. Uh, and the ratio, so it's going to be an all-stock transaction. I love all-stock um, transactions. I know you do. Uh, right, we're ready. Pens at, ready for the ratio. Valued at thirty-five billion dollars. Here's the ratio: um, one point seven two three four shares. Holy, that's a lot of numbers. Yeah. One point seven two three four. They can't make it simple and just go 1. like two to one. One point seven two three four shares of AMD for every share of Xilinx. One point seven two three four. And and they did the math for you. So they said it comes out to one hundred forty-three dollars a share at AMD's closing price. Yep. AMD got smacked because that's what they do on the all stock deals. They smack them down, but then they decide, you know what? We don't mind this deal. And they bought AMD all the way back up. AMD also reported earnings, which they weren't supposed to report till tonight, but they decided that they would report along with announcing this merger. So give us those details as well. Yep. EPS beat 41 cents versus 35 cents. Sales also beat 2.8 versus $2.5 billion. Uh, they also beat on their Q4 sales guidance, 2.9 billion to 3.1 billion is the range they gave for sales for the current quarter versus a 2.6 billion dollar estimate. So they beat on all fronts to go with this M and A this morning. Whoever sold it at 76 this morning when this Whoa. deal got announced doesn't listen to the pre-market prep show. It's not sell the dip, it's buy the dip. So I hope some of our traders were out there buying the dip on AMD this morning because they are instantly rewarded. It is almost back to scratch. The stock getting all of its losses from the 6 a.m. hour back. Yeah, believe me, at one, this was down six bucks. This was down $6 this morning on a deal that we kind of already knew about. Crazy, free money, unless you sold. Then it's yeah, I, free I, losses. I don't know. I don't know why they would whack it down. Uh, well, they do. They, I know why they whack it down because that's what the algos do. They see a big stock deal. They're like, oh, we hit the acquire on the all stock deals. And, you know, in this case, we kind of already knew about it, though. They already got smacked around a bit on it. We knew it was kicking around. It wasn't official, but we knew this was kicking around. There's no reason that this should have been down, you know, eight, nine percent this morning on this eight percent. Uh, I'll just, yeah, I'll just take the close. I'll just use your closing price. This is going to be a wild one, you know, uh, down 38 cents, but that close from yesterday, 82.33. It did spike over yesterday's high, 85. If we go into major rally mode, uh, I look for that resistance. And if you come down to 80, I mean, that 80, what was yesterday's low? Yesterday's low was. Hmm, the low of the move seventy eight forty two from three days ago, but yeah. I think now that you've come back and now you have sellers remorse on everybody who sold it this morning, this I think you're going to see buyers. I think they're applauding the deal to a certain extent. It's actually usually you would think it'd be down a couple of bucks, so I think it might have overshot here to get back to scratch. So yeah. I wouldn't be buying it now. The easy money was made, you know, when you were buying at seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight, because that was an overshoot. I feel like 80, 81, but in this case, it's come all the way way back. back. So it could go, it could go, it could continue to go. You don't know, but I'd say here it's coin flip. 
tough. Well, it's a tough stock, I think, to end day trade, anyways. Um, the uh, the Zylanix, I mean, how did we fall? How did the street fall asleep on this one, Dennis? I Came mean, all the way in. I fell asleep on this one too because remember, my strategy always was you know, I've talked about that one for years. The rumors come out, let the thing come in, try to fill the gap. You know, to come back in and let people forget about the rumors. And then sometimes you have a free, you know, call option really added if you buy the stock because there's still the deal was kicking around. And in this case, the stock got down to $111. So, and obviously 129 now it didn't fill the gap entirely, but it gave back a good two thirds, you know, three yeah. quarters of that gain. So if we would have been looking at it, if I would have looked back at this and the Xilinx is not one that I trade regularly, I might have struck. Yeah, the uh, and it's higher than the original uh, the original price. Remember, you thought it was trading at a premium. It was rumors, yeah, yeah, with the original, and now the deal. Well, you know, it all depends where A and D ends up, but uh, right now, you know, trading at uh, one thirty, and that that's considerably above. So people that uh, bought that day uh, took some heat, but are being rewarded here. So uh, keep on, you know, Xilinx, keep your eye on that ratio if you're a spread trader. And I, I think to, to Spinner's point in the in the Benzinga chat, you know, yeah. the, the fact that AMD also came out and reported earnings and raised their guidance when they they weren't really they weren't supposed to, right? It was supposed to be after the close today, so that's probably helping here because they would have come out with that number anyway. But the fact that it's it's now at the same time as as the as the M and A headline probably just there's an earnings wild card in here, and that is a good point too. I believe the earnings actually came out the exact same time, though. So they, yeah, they came out with the earnings pretty much at the exact same time as the deal was announced and they did beat and beat, but it's not a blow away by any means. 41 right. cents versus 35. Yeah. Like if you take those numbers and you didn't have a deal on the table, you'd say, well, they're pretty good, but I don't think you're rallying hard on those numbers. So I, I would just say that this is just, this deal got overshot on the downside. Now it's coming back, you know, maybe it's overshot, but there is the wild card of the earnings in here, but they're kind of just, you know, they're, you, you in this market, a beat isn't enough. Like we've seen stocks. There's a lot of stocks this morning that announced beats by six cents or by, you know, 10, 15% and they're down. So you usually got to kick them. You know, you got to hit them pretty good here usually. But so it's hard to just say this is just coming back because of the earnings. I would just say this is coming back because it should have never been down at 76. And now people who are selling there are down there like, oops. All right. Existential question of the day. If a company called Las Vegas Sands does not have any business in Las Vegas, can it still be called Las Vegas Sands? Yeah, that's a good question. Give us this headline here because this yep. is just th – this goes to show these algos, these news algos just get crazy. And this got crazy on the headline too. Yeah, so I'm seeing $55. But it, anyway, it trade yeah, up to $55. I, yeah. I tried reported, to short it. It was really fast. Bloomberg reported this overnight that uh, – Las Vegas Sands, Sheldon Adelson, the majority owner, is looking to potentially consolidate his holdings and exit the their uh, their Las Vegas operations and focus mostly on 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 Asia. And so they're trying to sell the various properties they have uh, in Vegas, potentially for as much as six billion dollars. Multiple thoughts here. I put some of them on Twitter last night. One, there's absolutely no reason to buy a stock up twelve percent last night, up to fifty five dollars when they are trying to liquidate, you know, one of their, if not their biggest assets in a fire sale. And that's what it would be right now, because think about who's buying a casino right now. Who's going to Vegas and buying a casino? One, I, I see this kind of, you know, and, and, the, and the circumstances might change because this was, you know, obviously a, a good property. But right now with COVID, I mean, you're just got to be selling at the bottom. If you find a buyer, it's going to be at a fire sale price. And it's probably not going to be $6 billion. It's probably even going to be a lot less than you want to sell it for. So just because you have intentions to sell doesn't mean you're going to find a buyer. And second thing, if you're needing to sell, why are you needing to sell so much? Are you in that much trouble here? And we know the casinos are in a world of pain with COVID. So I don't think it's actually that good of news. And the market's still trading up 2.5%. But I don't see this as a positive headline for the company. Just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Vegas, I mean, boy, oh, boy, that's that's tough. I mean, that pop, I mean, 55 bucks. I mean, you just had to have your order out to get Yeah, back. it was gone. I mean, the algos got, oh, yeah, maybe they misread and said that they were selling, you know, they thought they were selling the whole company or something. I, I, I was seeing the stock go, and I was like, is that it? It's up 12% because they're exploring the sale of their, their Las Vegas property? I mean, that sounds crazy, but... 
How many do they have? They, I mean, the market today with AT and T too and DirecTV, they popped it up ridiculously. Oh, how's AT and T doing? Just revisionist Just, history. It, I know. Yeah, it gives it back. I mean, we talked about this oh, on the earnings nice pop. call. Nice yeah. triple D. Twenty-eight and change. We're like, this is another selling opportunity. Oh, look, it gave back a dollar yesterday. You know what? AT and T path path of least resistance lower. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. All right, next. Uh, last. Actually, I can't even. I mean, you want numbers on LVS? I don't know. I mean, this thing—it's like the eternal fifty-dollars stock, right? No, okay. it's waiting to get out of COVID. They want—they want clarity one way or another. Is—is is this COVID thing going to get a lot worse? Because then you know, this is all just reopening. There's nothing more ground zero than casinos. The yeah. virus continues to spread, and we start to get into a point where we got to start shutting stuff down again. The casino stocks are going to get killed. So if we get to a point where we got a vaccine coming, we're not scared of it, and we don't have to shut anything down, eventually maybe you see some people start going back to casino. But do you want to go to casino and pull, you know, a slot machine, or or do you want to go to casino and roll the dice? Oh yeah, did, here, blow on these dice for me. Okay, you know what? Let's give I, them a roll. I, I mean, did you like to go to casinos even before this? That's not me though. There's a lot of people I know. who like. I know. To go to I mean, with the so with the we, markets, you know. I mean, I'm not saying the markets are casino, but I mean. You know, I just, I mean, I like to roll the dice and that's because I used to do it with my dad. My I dad. liked it too, yeah. but are you going there and rolling the dice and, you know, blowing on the dice and then let, no. let them go? I don't want to touch those to, dice. No, no, no. What are they going to do? Dump them in some hand sanitizer or it's a bucket of sanitizer every time and then somebody reaches in there and rolls. Doesn't it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. What was the news on uh, three days ago, four days, you know, when you had that gap and go in Las Vegas Sands? Was that Good an question. upgrade? That, that was, was an upgrade? That was, er- that was earnings. Oh, they had earnings. earnings? Oh, How are the earnings? They Obviously. lost 74 cents, supposed to only lose were? 59 and 586 million versus 700. So they missed, they missed, but apparently that was still okay because they didn't lose as much money as they thought they were going to lose. So somehow they made that a positive event. I think the I think the fifty five was a gift. I think the fifty four was a gift. I think the fifty three price was a gift. Yeah, fifty two is a gift. I think the fifty one price is a gift, and I'm going to go as far to say I think the fifty dollars and forty cents is trading at right now is a gift. So I am just not a fan of this whatsoever. It's telling me they're in a world of pain for a long time when they have to consider selling their Las Vegas property, and the market is saying this is a bullish thing. I think the market is wrong, and you know what? Efficient market hypothesis wrong oh. here as well. Properties. My opinion, just my opinion. They own uh, they own the Venetian, the Palazzo, and uh, the Sands Expo Convention Center. So it's properties. What properties. about the Dunes? Who owns the Dunes now? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Win? It's gone. Uh, no. No Dunes. What, no. What's Win doing on this? I don't know. It's up slightly. Anyways, okay. Win MGM right, casinos. It's yeah, tough. Wake, the reopening wake, trade is tough right now. It's gonna come up. back. It'll bounce. Chop around. Fade trade. Sound rips. Buying dips. Wake me up when it's uh, at 46.10. There was a quad top there. You gapped and go. That's why I get interested on the buy side. Okay, just the last one of these M&A slash spinoff headlines before we go really hard. Uh, Another rant coming up. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll do do ARG quickly uh, just because they announced yesterday. Uh, uh, They announced a bunch (laughs) of things, but one of them, the main thing is they're trying or they're going to uh, spin off their life and retirement business. And so you can see the stock up 6% this morning. So tr- essentially doing what IBM just did. It and- went up over 10 or 11%. That was what my tweet was too. You can see what IBM did on that news that they were potentially going to spend something. Oh yeah. Break up. Yeah. They bought the thing from 126 up to 140 in the pre-market that day. It took three days before it gave it all back. And now you can see where the stock is just destroyed. Gilead. And uh, this is obviously nothing to do with the spinoff, but when you have these dogs, popping up on headlines that you know aren't even going to make you much money you got to think twice about buying those pops and in the case of gilead we said it on friday i said i think this is a selling opportunity i think the stock goes lower um gilead has now obviously given all those gains back in one day i had somebody asking me on twitter why did it go down i was i mean we talked about this on the show the day before i predicted that it would give it all back and it did and one, I didn't know it was going to do it one day. It did. And I'm going to go as far to say now on Gilead that now you have a whole new group of traders. So I guess it did go on tangent. You have a whole new group of traders caught along this thing. All those who's like, Remdesivir, it's the therapy. It's been approved. We got to buy, buy, buy. And one day those people are all stuck too. Everybody is caught in this thing. It's like a seven-year low for the stock. 
everybody is in pain. Any type of a rally, they hit the bid. Just like they did on Friday, they hit the bid. They hit the bid yesterday. I think Gilead's going to go down to 50 bucks. That's my target on it now. I have no position, but I think the stock now can actually, it's going to, it's starting to take out that $60 area. And I think that, you know, all the good news, what's coming? I mean, what's the good news coming for Gilead? Remdesivir just got approved. You tell me the catalyst is going to drive Gilead back up. Four and a half percent dividend. Woo woo. That's not very good when your stock falls 10% a year. So you know what? I actually would sell this stock if I owned it. And it almost, I'm almost tempted to go short it. That's how much I don't like Gilead. No if position I, here, but I am bearish okay. Gilead. Okay, back to AIG though. Okay, back to AIG, same story. I would sell the pop. And actually, I have. I'm short the stock on AIG. <laughs> right. So I tweeted out last night, and then I decided, you know what? I'm going to short it. So um, I did short after I tweeted it last night. And I shorted up eh, just a little higher than here. I didn't get the 34.30. I tried. I tried to get 34.20 and then 34, and then I forgot about it. I came back, and I think I got like 33.60, just above here. So I'm, I'm in from right around here. So I'm sure that I'm going to try to hold on to this one. We'll see if I can hold on to it. But I think this one in a couple of days could give it all back as well. Uh, just my opinion. Just hanging out. I mean, hanging out here. What's uh? Is it is it is it thick right now? Twenty three thousand have traded. Oh, very thick. Yeah. AIG, very thick. Yeah, it's been trading right. here for pretty much the entire after hours. Uh, yeah, session. look at that. Yeah, settled in. He's got this thing. T. I. I don't know. I mean. Maybe if you're looking to hold it for more than a day, Dennis, then the top of yesterday's range would be a really good spot to cover. I'd go 32 bucks. Uh, yesterday's high, 31.91. Don't even worry about the gap fill. Just get in there at 32. Um, on the upside, this is a pretty thick stock. I haven't looked at the I haven't looked at this thing in so long, man. We used to. This used to be a bright. This used to be a hot rod. Remember. We used to trade this thing. I don't remember AIG ever being a hot rod, but I remember trading it. It was 80, 90, 100 bucks, and it would move. Yeah. You know, it would move. That was a before lot. the split, but before right, the reverse right. 20 for one split, or one for 20, or one for 10, or whatever it was. I think it, it was, was one for 20. Wasn't it one for 20 after the financial I crisis? I can't remember. But it was one of those stocks is, uh, you know, if the, if the specialists like flash trip nines on it or something. You knew you were going to have some fun. You either trip nines. <laughs> you knew some volatility was in store. If trip here. nines on the bid. You knew it's going on. Trip nines on the offer. I remember that. I remember the trip nines. They lock her down. Trip nines means the whole world's selling. There's nobody buying. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we gapping to? And then that was setting up for a big gap and a gap down like two bucks or something because they were selling. They had a you... big fish out there getting wanting out. <laughs> You know what? The big fish that wanted out back then was right because what is the all-time high on AIG? And I just want to, you know, this is a story of not investing in dogs for the long term. What's the AIG all-time high? Go bring up that long, long long-term chart, Joel. And you got to go back to the financial crisis because obviously this company almost went to zero. You have to go back to the dot-com bubble, I think. I can go here. Probably the financial crisis. You got to go further. All right, you got $500 there, but it's higher. Keep going. I know, I know. Big money. No, oh, look, it's going higher. 1400. Keep going. Oh, you're right. We got to go back to before the you got it right. We got to go back to the dot com, but look over $2,000 a share. (laughs) So, if you took your money and invested in AIG because it had a cool dividend of like 2% back then. 20 years ago, you're now down. Oh, what is that? 95% on your investment 20 years later. Dog of all dogs. Do I want to invest my money in AIG? Hell no. Because you know why? Because this is what's done to you. And why is why is today going to be the day that AIG turns it all around? Why is today going to be the day? You know what? I'm betting it's not going to be the day. And that's why I took a short position. Okay. All right. Speaking of uh, fading, uh, of selling rips, fading pops, whatever you want to call it, AMD is up this morning on heavy volume. Because I'm not not AMD. What's AMD that? is up now. Look at AMD no, doing great. Look at you, Spencer. No, 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 no. AMD I, I, is up on heavy ball. It's all true. Look at Spencer. Spencer. Now you give it a Spencer's tool. just see he's typing in orders and then he had AMD on his I've done uh, that before. It is his contact. It was off by a letter. I meant AMD. I, I've done that before. Be off Spencer. by a letter. I buy the wrong stock. And I was like, Spencer, where are you getting out? Where are you getting out, Spencer? I bought the wrong stock. AMC. AMC is up. AMC is up. Heavy volume. Yeah. Are they not going bankrupt? Uh, I was off by a letter. I'm sorry because they are reopening a bunch of movie theaters in Northern California this weekend. Really? Yeah, oh, that's awesome. So, what are they showing? Towering Inferno. 
Oh my god, <laughs> that was not good. I should I strike that. <laughs> that was bad. Inferno that was bad. Powering Inferno of a stock price. We'll give you that. It was seven bucks back in May. It's two bucks here today. They're teetering on bankruptcy. We know that they've talked about bankruptcy. Is bankruptcy coming? Maybe. We know stocks necessarily don't go to zero in bankruptcy, but I'm not coming in here and betting on a turnaround story anytime soon for AMC. A uh, little pop up here. It's a fourteen cents, two eighty nine. I, I what three bucks? What? If you guys want numbers on this one, uh, low of the move. Give them the low of the move. Uh, two sixty six below yeah. two sixty six is good support at zero. And if you uh, three fifteen to double top, backed up by three thirteen, there's probably eight zillion to sell at three bucks. So. That's my look on AMC. All right, we should go to some earnings here. It's 825. We'll have Bill Studebaker on in 10 minutes. You want to do uh, Twilio from yesterday? Yeah, this thing's kind of quiet, huh? It yeah. chopped around, though. Give us the earnings numbers. It should yeah. chop around a lot. Good numbers on the headline. Q3 adjusted EPS of $0.04 cents versus a $0.03 cent loss estimate. Sales of $4.48 versus $4.09 million. So a beat and a beat uh, for the third quarter. As far as Q4 guidance uh, week on the EPS, they guided a loss of around $0.10 cents per share. Uh, versus a one cent gain estimate sales all came in higher. So uh, mixed on the guidance beats on the earnings. How does that come out to you this morning? Look at that opening bar after the earnings, Joel, they slammed it down to under two ninety. They bought it up to 315. They just showed you how to lose all the money on the spread. Um, and obviously it's settled in and gone nowhere. So you're selling the dip, you're losing money. You're buying the rip, you're losing money. Hey, look at that. And, and obviously it's come right back and it's a settled in. So I don't know which direction it goes from there, but when the stock rallies 15 bucks, it sells off $15 all in the same candle. I mean, crazy, craziness. Uh, talk me out of shorting this one. You want to short Twilio? Yeah. I don't know. I don't see what you're looking at from the short. I don't really see a long setup or a short hit. So I see the dip overall in the last three weeks. So I would not want to be selling this because I'd be selling the dip if I'm looking at it from a 90 day perspective. So that's uh, how I would talk you out of it. The low of the move is 287. That was coincidentally, I think the low last night on the earnings as well. So big support down there. Short away if you want, but not for me. Um, I'm just thinking because it's just not ripping up. You know what I mean? Like uh, there was probably pretty high expectations, right? I think you had some there big, yeah, you had some big money selling into the. Uh, I did the fifty percent wrong. But it's a little bit higher than that. Uh, you know, big money sold into the report. It's just not a lot of people just sitting on tons of profits here, and it's like, oh, is this going to go up eighteen dollars? Oh no, it's only up a buck thirteen. So. <laughs> I don't know. This one, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. I'd love if I could have done the 50% retracement a little bit better. I could give you that. I don't think we're going to see that. See if it goes red. Uh, that would be, or I'll, maybe I'll, I'll watch it for a day and see what happens. I see no but, trade here. No trade? Okay. No trade. No, trade. no opinion, no trade. How about, one. where are we trading at? Um, Let's go to Harley Davidson. 321. Which is a huge pop. HOG getting the big pop up 10% on their earnings report. They must have blew it away. I haven't looked the report. Driving this motorcycle. The hog. The hog. Everybody's yeah. riding motorcycles. The numbers are but so yeah, It's quick. hard to get COVID on a motorcycle because you're riding by yourself. No, some part. people ride with people. Well, yeah, but then the it's their wife. So you're already exposed okay. to, you know, the wife. Maybe the okay. wife, husband rides in the back. The wife drives the motorcycle. 32.50 is where you got to on this one. Whew. What's the numbers? Uh, the numbers were so good that you almost wonder if if they don't compare to estimates for some reason because the EPS was a dollar and five cents versus a twenty eight cent estimate. Some one time stuff in there, maybe sales of one point one seven billion versus eight hundred sixty two million. Wow, they blew away the numbers. Uh, we'll have to ask William when he's on in a few minutes about the the automation in the motorcycle business. Good numbers, Harley Davidson. It's Harley Davidson. I cannot buy Harley Davidson. It's fifteen dollars back in March. It's come back. I mean, yeah. you have this whole, yeah, okay, we're going outside, we're doing outdoorsy things because of COVID. So we're gonna buy motorcycles and ride them. That probably helped. But it's still Harley Davidson and this stock's been in a decline for I feel like forever. You go back to twenty fourteen, it was seventy dollars. So there's a clear downtrend here. What do we do on stocks and clear overall downtrends? We sell reps. So not for me. If I, if I owned it, I'd sell it. 
Uh, I'll just use the pre-market range in this one since it's so, you know, it's uh, such a big move for this stock. Uh, way over its average daily range, street leading the wrong way into the report. Uh, but, you know, that might have been some market dynamics. Uh, what I'll do on this one, I'll just go a little bit longer term and I'll just look at this. Uh, I'll draw on the monthlies here. I mean, you you had some major monthly resistance. It's called 30 bucks. So if this came back into 30 and held, that I just technically speaking, then that's a breakout, but I'm not chasing it up here at uh, at 31, 3180 up a decent volume. If I mean, if you're long to 30 calls, baby, you want to see that 32 fit. I don't think we'll see it. I don't know. For some reason, I don't think, I think we'll see it. But it's overhead supply. I don't think it's going to rip. Yeah. I mean, there's room to 35 on the charts. There is room. So I don't think I'm necessarily coming in and shorting it, but I don't just see this thing ripping and continuing to go. And eventually, we're all getting back on the Harley Davidson bandwagon. I just don't see it. All right. Uh, let's it wasn't see. hot before COVID. So let's do um, just real quick before we do earnings. People are asking about uh, DKNG and. Um, Undercut and rally, Dennis. What do you think? Are they shaking you here? Or are you I'm in it. I don't like that. That was an awful candle. So yeah, they are t- somewhat shaking me here. I mean, now you're trying to call a bottom. The stock's in the downtrend. I probably shouldn't have been, you know, bottom pit. But I talked about that forty dollars for so long on the show. I almost felt like I had to buy it. <laughs> I and when I, I went on vacation, I was up a buck and a half, feeling good about it. And now I come back from vacation, and you guys murdered it on me. So I'm down in the DraftKings. It's up a little bit here this morning, so I'd be getting close to back to even. I think I'm at the 41, though. You you couldn't even wait. You couldn't even wait. Couldn't wait what? You said you bought it. You were you'd, you'd buy it at 40, and you and you even... bought it at like. I know I bought it too early. I was like 41 handle. I paid. Yeah. I couldn't wait for the 40. Wait. I was too excited. <laughs> I got all excited. Yeah, I'm gonna wrong. buy it. You know what? what? But look what I'm doing wrong here. I'm trying to buy a stock that's trending down. Trying to call a bottom. All those things I say don't do. I kind of did it here. I kind of <laughs> broke all the rules here. So, I mean, you can break rules and sometimes it works, but more often it doesn't. I'll probably lose money on this because I'm trying to break all the rules. I'm not buying a stock that's in a clear uptrend. There's definitely not an uptrend broken here. I'm trying to buy a stock because I feel like I had old support there and those don't work that well. They give you a little bounce and then they don't. I mean, is there a story that could potentially get hot here? Sure. Um, I, I think I, I think I've screwed up, honestly, by being long this thing. I probably will dump it. Uh, you know what? I played uh, I played the catch up trade and pen a little bit uh, on the short side. It, it was it was quite the tussle, uh, but uh, I just figured, you know, it would it, it would come in a little bit. It went down to that fifty nine ten so quick yesterday. I mean, I batted an eyelash, and then the thing comes back up and hits fifty nine ten. Then it goes back up over sixty two fifty. I mean that. It's a wild stock. Yeah, it was. It, it's hard to hold that one. I was just. That's kinda, a wild stock. Uh, oh yeah, that opening candle I see it yesterday there. It's wild. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, woo! Actually, I covered a little bit on the open. I'm thinking, oh, that was horrible when it went to fifty nine ten, and yeah. then it goes to sixty two fifty. I'm like, I'm a genius. And then that's just a hard stock. I mean these just moved all over the place, but uh, we'll see. I, I don't know if the downtrend is, I don't know if the sell-off is done yet in this one. We'll keep an eye on the close. Very, very small part of the position left. I sold mine at 60, you I did think a good like job. 69 on the pop because I just felt like it was going to have a DraftKings catch-up trade yep. happening here. And it got up over seven. I sold it before it got up to that 72. So I sold a little bit early and then, you know, it's continued to leak here now. I think it continues to leak. I think you want to be a seller rallies in the pen right now. I still think there's a story here longer term, but that story has cooled off substantially. Portnoy has gone back to sports. You think about even like the Portnoy trade. You used to hear Kramer talking about him five times a day. I mean, you're not hearing that much about Portnoy now. So, I mean, that whole aspect's cooled off too. The Barstool Sports is still their thing. And obviously Portnoy's huge, but you're just not hearing as much from, from the stocks perspective. So, I think a trade, the Portnoy trade's cooled off for a bet. Could get hot again. We'll watch it. Uh, Gan, just settling in here. Boy, that was sell the news. Gan, what's Gan doing? Look at uh, that. Again, it's a stock in a clear downtrend. Well, you sell the news when you get those pops. That's this, cool. this stock is ugly. All I'm right, sorry. Hey. I know a lot of people own Gan. It's got one key level it needs to hold. That's the 14 and a quarter low from September the 25th. And if it takes that out, it's got trouble all Spencer, over. Spencer, when you don't even feel caught in this, like it's hard to be long. It's hard to make money on these ones that everybody is caught long. They're all caught long. 
stocks Especially, in a clear yeah. downtrend. Rallies are being sold. Rallies on good news. The news, whatever we had back in October, when quickly sold, quickly sold that news. It's telling you if you're long, you're probably on the wrong side of the trade. I have no reason to be long. Gan, really, I should not have DraftKings either. So these stocks are in clear downtrends. Don't want to be long stocks and downtrends. Uh, look at hey Spencer, you dumping your AMD at eighty five here. That's yesterday's high. I don't know. You don't own look AMD. At, I don't own AMD. Look at that. Ooh, look at this. Return, that's one hell of a You had my I, spread written off here this morning, Joel. And you know what? My spread is back on AMD. They've decided they like this re- merger now. That's the thing, though. When you're buying stocks, AMD, and if you bring up the long-term chart, you can see it's in a clear uptrend. You get the pullbacks on the stocks and the clear uptrends. They're often buying opportunities. And now, all of a sudden, you know, sentiment has turned. It's like now they're trying to find ways. And the media will say, well, this is going to be, you know, this is the greatest deal for AMD. And it's not surprising it's trading up because they'll try to justify the price action. And then that'll push it farther. So, you know what? The AMD here. And now that it's went green by two bucks, I'd be a buyer of pullbacks. And I'm long the call spread. I should have said that earlier. I'm still long my call spread in AMD. 8100. I, I lost I lost money on the two buck calls in this thing. Back huh? in I guess I should have rolled them over. Remember what when you saying calls? Oh, remember when you saying it was a buck, two bucks, a buck, two bucks, a buck. Oh, you're talking bucks. years ago when it was two dollars. Yeah. yeah, I guess I should have rolled them it over. It stayed at two dollars for like a decade. I know. I and I went to like three or four and I was like, that's gotta be a selling opportunity because AMD's always two dollars. Wow. Turnaround yeah. story. For sure. Lisa Sue. Lisa uh, Sue, turn this whole I thing still, around. I, I still haven't figured out whether or not. Um, well, it's not the same my... person. It's not the Come same on, person. it has to. I guarantee. <laughs> the person I... he went to school with. No, not school. She was my clerk when I did the uh, S and P's against the the missiles. Okay. Uh, the major market uh, index. I'm bringing on our guest. I swear. William Studebaker is the CIO of Robo Global. Is going to hopefully bring some sanity to this to this show. Uh, we need William, sanity. Good, William, good morning. Uh, good morning. How are you guys? Good. We hear you. And can we see you? There we go. All right. Uh, well, where do I start? Okay. Uh, Robo Global has a few ETFs. You've got the ROBO, the HTEC, and then the, the, your newest one, which I guess is only a few months old, is your THNQ. That's your artificial intelligence ETF. But uh, we've had you on the show before. Uh, Robo Global is, uh, I guess, your first and, and the largest ETF that you that you have. Ticker is ROBO. Uh Tell us about that and sort of how that's changed this year with the, the pandemic. Yeah, well, I would say that um, as a result of the pandemic, enough, you know, we've only seen acceleration in all the adoption and usage of the technologies. Um, when we launched uh, Robo uh, seven years ago, we had um, high conviction belief that robotics and AI were disruptive technologies that were going to change the way we live and work. Well, fast forward seven years ago and throw on a pandemic, and this is all but a certainty. Um, Countries, companies all over the world have to use robotics and AI to optimize their business. I mean, it's really adding business agility. Um, Merrill Lynch now estimates that uh, the AI market itself between now and 2025 is going to triple in size. Um, so we're pretty excited about it. Uh, Rubble hasn't really changed all that much since we launched. Uh, the, the biggest change that we've seen is we continue to see a lot of acquisitions. Obviously, uh, AMD is, is buying you know, Xilinx. Uh, Robo, we launched seven years ago. We've had, I believe, 12 acquisitions and probably another 12 or 14 attempts that were rejected by shareholders. So uh, I think that, um, interestingly enough, for robotics and AI, um, we sort of have an opportunity set in a public equity wrapper that really is more of a venture capital kind of play. And while I'm not going to predict um, when and where these happen, I do think that the opportunity set is pretty rich here and it's only growing. So um, real positive. I'm curious about the, the HTEC, the Healthcare Technology and Innovation Fund, because this is probably the year of all years for that. And and if you look at the performance of the fund year to date, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's up like 30% or something like that. But I mean, talk, what is in this fund and, and, and how is it sort of helping this crisis? Okay. Well, actually, the fund's up close to 40% and probably 40%. 50% right. the last uh, 52 weeks or so. Um, you know, I think um, all of you have strong appreciation for how e-commerce has sort of exploded onto the scene and how e-commerce uh, is not just a um, 
a luxury anymore. It's it's a necessity uh, in business. Uh, we were you know studying a lot of the end markets uh, that were going to be affected by robotics and AI. One thing that really caught our eye a couple of years ago was healthcare. And we sort of looked at it and said, you know, what is healthcare? It's actually not healthcare, it's sick care. 20% of our GDP is, is spent on, on healthcare that's unsustainable. Not to mention, you know, all we do is go and react to a problem. So that's what the pharma companies do. The biotechnologies are sort of reacting to a problem. They're not necessarily trying to cure something. They're trying to maybe just slow it down or maybe arrest what might have happened. Um, that seemed um, sort of errant to us. And so when we were thinking about healthcare, we want to think, what is the future of healthcare? Okay. For us, that's the world of prediction, prevention, individualizing medicine, you know, sort of in, in essence, extending human longevity. So if you look at most uh, uh, healthcare structures, take, uh, for example, the S&P Healthcare Index, it's heavily invested in pharma and bio, and you have some services and um, you know medical instruments and less than 25 or 30 percent of robo would be in the S&P healthcare index so similar I'm sorry to HTech uh, would be in S&P healthcare index so what we had to do similar to robo was go and classify the healthcare industry so we did it very differently than than the healthcare community so we um, sort of looked at again the future of healthcare um, the sectors that we looked at uh, prediction prevention genomics lab process automation data analytics telehealth, robotics, medical instruments, to name a few. Uh, and that's what we see as kind of the future of healthcare. And, you know, regardless of who wins the election, it's great that the performance has been um, interesting this year, but we're not even in the first inning of the baseball game in healthcare. Um, the players in their locker room putting their clothes on. There's going to be trillions of dollars of economic value up for grabs in the years to come. A uh, quick question here. I mean, a lot of money is going into the, the vaccine and the cure, potential cure for COVID-19. I mean, is the dollars being put into it? I mean, the stocks have these huge uh, price fluctuations, you know, added. Is it, do you think that the, actually the companies that do find the cures that uh, or the vaccines, is it going to really, I mean, some of these companies are pretty big. How much is it going to add to the bottom line of some of these individual companies? Yeah, I guess it depends on the individual companies. There's a lot of good news, you know, price into it. Um, there has to be, you know, a lot of execution um, that will have to come after, um, not only, um, you know, with the science, but also just in contract manufacturing, et cetera. So I can't, you know, speak to that in a, in a, in a broad sense. You have to look at it from an individual company. But I do think that one thing that's very different now than ever before is advances uh, in AI, machine learning, and deep learning have allowed us to get to this point that we would never have had a chance two years ago. I mean, there are uh, roughly 140 uh, vaccinations uh, in in in, uh, uh, in review. Um, I think 35 to 45 are now in human trials. I mean, the fact that Moderna within 42 days could go from a virtually a concept to human trials is unprecedented. And the ability where our computing power is doubling every 18 months, our cost of computing is plummeted, is now, you know, given an array of use cases that was only, you know, a couple of years ago, Elon Musk science fiction. So I, I think that um, we have so much innovation, you know, coming in healthcare um, that it's going to be really exciting. And investors better get a foothold here um, now. Uh, William, I'm just curious, with, with everyone's attention sort of turned to, to the pandemic, is, it, is there an argument to be made that progress and, and innovation on this front has, has just temporarily slowed with regards to everything else because everyone is so laser focused on this one thing? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, innovation is exploding, you know, everywhere. I mean, I live, I live in the Bay Area and uh, you can see, you know, where the innovations are happening. I mean, you've got unicorns that are sprouting up, you know, you know, everywhere. Um, you know, the, the fan companies have been an incubation hub for um, really the world. And, um, you know, when you look at what happened just with the pandemic, you know, I wrote a blog uh, kind of in March when this began, uh, about what was changing. I said, there's three waves that are coming. For one, you know, we have the benefits of, of, of some e-commerce, but that's being accelerated because we need to socially distance. You want to order products from Amazon, not because you want it in weeks or days, but soon to be inside of hours. 
It only comes to automation. Then we have new ways of institutionalizing, you know, business, right? Telemedicine in terms of a technology uh, went from the outhouse, the penthouse virtually overnight. Um, it took Teladoc, which is now kind of a household name, uh, 10 years to get to a million virtual care visits. Uh, they got to a million virtual care visits a couple quarters ago. The prior quarter, I think 2 million. Um, there's companies in China like Teladoc, I'm sorry, Pingang Health and Technology, which uh, some of your uh, listeners probably aren't aware of, but uh, they do 700,000 virtual care visits per day, not per week, not per quarter, not per year, per day. Wow. So again, you know, this is, this is changing. We, we have, there's 65 different companies now working on various remote work technologies. So um, I could probably go on and on, but innovation is, is flourishing everywhere, not just in the U.S., but globally. And so I think this one is so much more profound and different than revolutions ever before. And AI is proving to be one of the most disruptive forces in technology maybe ever, but certainly in decades. Well, I'm Dennis Dick here. Just a question here. Um, you know, you're talking about innovation. How much does social media have to do with the innovation that we're seeing today? Because you just think like the, the information age, the sharing of ideas, somebody sees something and then thinks about something else. I mean, you look back like 30 years ago and it's like you get in the newspaper and you're hearing about other stuff. It's like here, like there's so much, you know, information sharing. Does that not just continue to, you know, spur innovation like for, you know, the foreseeable future here because of the information? Well, I think so. that's a good point. I mean, I think this is just fostering you know, uh, more collaboration and more efficient collaboration. And simplistic, when you think about, you know, right now, globally, there there's, uh, you know, maybe uh, 4 billion or 3 billion smartphone users. It's anticipated in the next you know, five to seven years, we're going to bring on another 4 billion people to have access to uh, the internet. And they're probably going to be doing it through mobile devices. So you're bringing on another three or 4 billion people that are smart, that have access to information, uh, that have access to technology, that are entrepreneurs, and oh, by the way, are consumers. So we kind of have this you know, melt up situation that's, that's, that's uh, taking hold. Uh, and uh, this is this is pretty profound. And uh, when you look at a lot of uh, investment in robotics years ago, the problem that you had is that, say, for example, you're Stanford and you were given a hundred thousand dollar grant to go, um, you know, produce a robot that may, you know, clean clean your clean your clothes or um, clean the table or whatever it was. And you know, maybe there would be some advances, but typically, what happened in a lot of robotics is that you ran out of money. And so when he ran out of money, the whole investment sort of collapsed. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now with robot operating systems and open architecture, um, it allows for the continuous sharing of information. So when you used to start um, a, a, a technology at the ground floor, now you're starting it up here. Okay. And everyone has access to information and you're building on this. And so, you know, years ago, would it cost hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars to build a technology I mean, some people can now do it, you know, on a shoestring budget. So this is just, you know, sparking, you know, more and more um, innovation. Uh, William, I, I want to ask you about like one, one facet of automation. I think people, a lot of people might hear that and think of self-driving cars, right? And we joked earlier on the show about self-driving motorcycles, but Robo has minimal exposure, I think, to, to the self-driving uh car space and if i'm wrong please correct me but i was looking doing a quick look at the holdings and that's what it seemed like to me can you just talk to us about the, the development and uh, and in self-driving cars and automation in that space and, and sort of how how the fund thinks about that or the index i guess yeah that's a good question fair question um i actually kind of uh um have a different view than you do if you look at um you know inside of robo, um, if you add up computing, processing, um, sensing, uh, AI, if you will, it's about 25-ish percent of the index. And those are the companies that are, are you know, helping to create the algorithms okay. and providing the technologies for autonomous vehicles to work. Now, we don't have um, autonomous, autonomous vehicles as a subsector. Why? Because there's no business case for one yet. Okay. When you talk about, you know, um, mobility as a service is likely coming. And as that happens, um, we will and can adjust to 
take advantage um, you know, for that kind of situation. So as business cases and use cases evolve, um, our, our, um, you know, our, 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 our index will evolve. Yeah. So just still early on in, in that game is what you're saying. But to your point, I guess, because I, I looked at your holdings and I didn't see any, you know, obvious uh, automaker names, but I guess your point is that these are the names that, that I wouldn't know, right, off the top of my head that are actually making the technology. So. Yeah, but I mean, the auto companies, um, you know, are using automation to enable their business. Right. Um, they're not using it to get the profit from it. Right. Um, so there's a big sort of distinction. So we can't, I mean, for us to have a robotics automation in the AI index and then put auto companies in there. I think most people will go, what the heck are you doing? Sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, William Studebaker is the CIO of Robo Global. Like I mentioned, there are three uh, funds or indexes and funds based off those indexes. R-O-B-O, H-T-E-C are are the two uh, that were were out uh, prior to this year. Uh, And those are the ones we just talked about. Uh, William, thank you so much for the time today, and we definitely have to have you on next year. Talk more about how this space develops. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, eight fifty uh, here, eight fifty one now. Uh, we're fading. Be- we're we're on the up. fade here. What? Uh, and it really wasn't durable goods. I think it was. What was it there? When I uh, uh, we're when just I, chopping around still. Yeah, I mean, we had such a candle, such volatility yesterday. We're going to chop around, and it's unreasonable to think we're just going to get back all of yesterday's losses. You know, on a snap of a fingers here, did some technical damage yesterday. I mean, there's a lot of stocks that are broken. So, you know, we've been doing some technical damage. I mean, we never made new highs. You know, that's the other consideration here, too. Like, just look, you know, to the run we had in September when we thought everything was just, you know, rosy. And then we had the 10% correction in the NASDAQ in, like, five days, one of the quickest corrections, if not the quickest, in the history of the NASDAQ. And, you know, we didn't make a new high on the move. So that is somewhat concerning that we did not make a new high. So technicians would say, okay, well, you got the potential for a double top up here now when you look at it from Amazon, when you look at it even from the queues, when you look at it from Spy, um, we could not make the new highs. So there is some technical damage here that we have an overhead supply issue here as well. So I think it's chop is the name of the game. Buy the dips and sell the rips. This isn't just a buy the dip market. Like I said yesterday on the 3.30 show, this isn't the kind of market where you just buy the stock and look at it in two months and you know it's going to be higher. This is the kind of market that when you got the gain, you take the gain because otherwise the market's going to take it away from you. The fade trade is working really well. I love this kind of market because I'm a natural contrarian. I think you do too, Joel. Yep. So I like the chop. And, you know, it gives you lots of opportunities to buy the dips and sell the rips. You, what if you're, I mean, and I'm, in the back of my mind, and I'm thinking about what if you, what if you manage like huge money? You know, like big dollars, not to, you know, our portfolios, you know, headed in the election. I mean, yeah, you got it. Well, and we got to put together these Biden portfolios, you know, and we got to talk about, you know, if the potential yep. that Biden gets in, the potentially doesn't get in. You're going to see big moves in green. You know, the, the Biden's the green energy trade. I mean, we've seen that in solar. You can look at TAN and as Biden, you know, has, you know, obviously shown strength, you can see TAN has been straight up, you know, as it looks more and more likely that Biden is going to be elected. I had a little weakness in the last few days, so it's probably profit taking to a certain extent. But we know, you know, from a from a market's perspective, that Biden is more concerned about the the environment. And the green energy trade is going to, you know, is, is a potential Biden trade right there. And there's a lot of other ones, too, to consider. And, you know, and then you got the cyclical trades, you know, is he coming in? Um, but, you know, we should be talking about maybe Benzinga can do that if they haven't done it already. Start to look at Trump stocks and Biden stocks. Yeah, and- I mean, there, there are definitely trades to make. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say there are investments, because if you look at, you know, energy, the Trump administration was supposed to be super favorable to energy, right? But there are other forces at play. If you look at TAN, look at TAN. Go back to 2016 and TAN, uh, an administration that isn't exactly yeah, and it's still super, done well, super favorable to this sector, and it's still done well. And but, that, but you could argue though. So, so Trump got in. TAN was 20 bucks. Yeah. And if you look for the next three years, it really went nowhere. And now, you know, it started obviously with COVID, you know, had the little run the beginning of 2020, maybe as you're thinking that Trump's probably maybe not going to get reelected. So you could argue that it it has been held down for the majority of Trump's uh, presidency. 
Well, and now I, that it looks like he's not going to get in. And we don't know. We're not politics. We don't know. whether we, It didn't look like he was going to get in with Hillary either. And then he got in. So he can't count Trump out. Uh, but, you know, as the markets, you know, continue to look at, you know, the potential for a Biden presidency here, Tan has benefited from that. So I would argue with you that I think Tan was held down due to Trump. So, yeah, maybe there was like a trade, though. But if you look at like the XLE, right, wasn't Trump supposed to be great for energy, great for coal, great for all these traditional yeah. oh, steel? Right? How about yeah. steel? Yeah. I, I think you just can't there are fight other those. There's this the secular decline there. You just can't fight it. I mean, it, it's the move away from oil. I moved the electrification of cars. I don't care who your president is. The electrification of cars is not good for oil companies. Like it's trouble. And that's why, you know, we've been bearish oil on this show for, I feel like forever. Um, and I think we remain bearish because, you know, I don't care if even if Trump gets back in, you're right. Maybe you get a pop in some of the, you know, the, the not so clean energy plays because, you know, Trump isn't going to be as rah, rah environment, but, even if Trump gets in, does that mean you just go along all the oil stocks? I think mm. this, you know, there's there's an issue here and, with the electrification of cars. The same, thing, the same thing goes for the banks. I mean, regulation has been rolled back. Dodd Frank has been rolled back, and banks haven't exactly lit the world on fire. So they well, did, though. You look at Bank of America and J.P. Morgan. They did. I mean, 2016, J.P. Morgan uh, was sixty dollars, one hundred and forty dollars. It got to the beginning of 2020. So COVID. No, the banks were doing very well through Bank America went from $15 up to 35 So basically in the four years, you know, three and a half years of Donald Trump's Good presidency, point. the Bank America and Citigroup, you know, they all went straight up. COVID destroyed those. Okay, okay. Here, though. Here, though. I'm, looking so I'm like, arguing with you here. I like, like the little, I like this. I'm saying it matters. Dallas, I'm glad you're just not arguing with me. I'm glad you're arguing with me. I always with argue with Joe. I, I'm picking on Spencer now. Yeah. Wait, wait Come minute. on, Spencer. Come on. Come on. Yeah, the XLF, the XLF made a move after Trump was elected. Okay, it yeah. made a move. It, it got up to like twenty one dollars. That was in November. I was out. That was after election day, November twenty sixteen. Twenty one dollars. Okay, prior to COVID, it was at thirty one dollars. So, is is that really so great when you compare it to tech and other sectors? Well, no, and it's not twenty one to thirty one in four years. Yeah, but you're not going to you're not investing in tech when you're investing in banks. You're not expecting returns of 110%. I mean, it's just the, the tech revolution. There's been no place like tech. This is why the 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 US stock market value is what 54% of the world's value is oh, because don't, don't we got Silicon Valley. It's only 53 I mean, it's now. all been 53. It's all been <laughs> technology driven i mean everything is technology driven this is old industry i mean the banks you think about what technology is going to do to the bank's margins even if you think about you know like even think about brokering a deal like a real estate deal and you know i just sold a house you know my real estate broker is taking five percent i mean is that going to be the way it is 10 years from now I'm going to say, you know, the, the, re, the you know, the, the real estate brokerage industry is where this, you know, the stockbrokers were back in the nineties. I mean, you're going to see those spreads come in too. I don't think it's going to cost you five, 6% to sell a house. I know there's ways to go around. You can get around that, but for the most part, most real estate deals are still done through traditional real estate brokers and it's, you know, it's still getting those spreads. So, I mean, the banks are the same way. I mean, you know, they're making, you know, big money. They, and there's, those margins are getting squeezed. And those businesses are going to continue to get squeezed over the course of the next 10 years as technology and better ideas, you know. Rocket mortgage, you know, like comes and, you know, obviously, you know, harms, you know, banks too because they're not getting the business because you got a rocket mortgage coming in. So there's going to be competition coming all over the place. So I just think the banking industry is in right. secular decline as well as the margins continue to get squeezed. And then you have the whole bad loans. Oh, okay, open. It's okay. like, so makes me not want to invest in banks. So, so just to bring it back though, full circle, I'm not saying there won't be trades. There will definitely be trades to make if Trump wins or if Biden wins. Right. Uh, but what about comes, weed? But when it comes, yes, that that's an example of one. But when it comes to like longer term investing, if you're if you're like, there are other forces at play besides who's in the white house. Right. Yeah. They, that, that was my point. So. That's a good point. And there's always that, you know, on any given day, the stock has so many different forces, you know, what's going to be the driver. We know when we get to election, it's going to be the presidential. It's going to push it in the short term. But what's going to determine value? It's a good point you're making, Spencer, in the long term is the company's overall fundamentals. And, you know, and you look at the overall picture 
of the oil industry or the banking industry. And it's like, where is, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel for the oil industries? I think the light at the end of the tunnel for the oil industry is a big train. And it's going to smack them and it's going to, we're going to lose a lot of companies. There's no coincidence that you're seeing Parsley Energy get bought by Pioneer for no premium. And, you know, they talked on that deal and they said, this is maybe going to become the norm, these no premium deals, because these companies aren't doing it, you know, to, you know, grow the businesses in a lot of cases. They're doing it to survive. They're trying to lower their cost of break even because they know oil's not going back to a hundred bucks a barrel anytime soon. So if you're sitting there with your scratch at 60 bucks on a barrel of oil and it's trading at 35, you got problems. So they're being smart about it. So there's going to be more consolidation. We saw Husky, you know, consolidate with Synovus, I believe it was over the weekend. I don't know if you guys talked about that on Monday, what, but what, you're going what, to continue. Canadian merger, Husky and Synovus, two Canadian big oil companies there merging out of necessity as well. I think you're going to continue to see consolidation in this industry and it doesn't make them good investments because you're seeing these stocks get taken over for almost no premium. I mean, the parsley, if you were long parsley, you got to be epically disappointed that, you know, here is a potential and Kramer had talked about this as being a potential target and they get no real premium in the deal at all. I mean, this is just showing you the trouble of the industry, and they got to consolidate to survive. So, so just what, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the merger was done at uh, what the Concho Resources and um, Conoco Phillips. Yeah, yep. there yep. wasn't much premium there either. No. no, and I think they've gone down since then. I'll have to take a look at the chart. But it, it's t- like Conoco's making new lows. Exxon Mobil. I mean, oh. you've got stocks sitting there with a ten point four three percent dividend in a one percent or zero percent environment in some cases. I mean, the TLT is a good tell. It's yielding one point four seven. Yet Exxon Mobil yielding ten. I mean, you know, some people say this is a no-brainer, but I think it's the no-brainer to not own it because it's telling you that that dividend's not safe. Chevron, Exxon, I mean, these stocks are just, and these are the best in breed, Chevron and Exxon, and they're in the decline. If, if oil prices bounce back, there will be opportunities, and it's going to be rallies. But I think those rallies are all selling opportunities, because I just don't see until they can turn, and, they, and maybe Chevron and Exxon, maybe they can figure it out and go full green energy, and they can transform their businesses. But as long as the primary source of their cash is from oil, I think those stocks are going to be in a world of pain. Right, so just real fast here. Uh, I What's going on with the market, Dennis? Sell the rip, buy the dip. Okay, That's the name of the game. I mentioned had a rip this morning to be sold. All right. I mentioned this yesterday that Kroger has an investor day today. They just reaffirmed their guidance. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond has an investor day tomorrow. So keep that on your radar today and tomorrow. Kroger will be – there will be more headlines from Kroger throughout the day, so have that one on your radar. I know we need to get to cover as many earnings as I would have liked to. What do you mean do, Lily? I want to do, want to do Lily. I, I, I want to do, yeah, do Lily. Joel wants to do Lily. Uh, but, no, I mean, do, but let's do Lily. We need Merck. a three hour show. I mean, this Lily, is... Merck, Pfizer, same time. Bottom line is Merck, Pfizer beat Lily did not. That's the bottom line for those three. They all reported this morning. LLY is down in the pre-market. Dennis, you had a hate on for Lily when that thing popped over 150. I mean, there's yeah. just again stock. stock that's been in a decline for a bit. It's not rocket science. They start to break down, break trend. They start. They have the rips and the stocks and the downtrends, and they're selling opportunities. You still got that, Lily, or did you get out of that completely? Short? You mean no? Short? You were lot well in your long-term portfolio. I know. Oh you had no, it, I sold Lily years ago. So <laughs> I bought Lily because. I, I just believed in the drugs. This was back in like 2011. I bought it at, I think, 25 or $30, and I sold 80, 90. I think I was all out even under 100. I sold early. I mean, it went to 170, but it was still it was still an excellent investment for me. I tripled my money, I believe, in the course of like four years in it. So obviously, it continued to go higher. But I, I mean, all these drugs, they're, they're fully valued. These aren't cheap. I mean, the drug companies, you can look at them and say, you know, a lot of these are trading with, you know, pretty sky high multiple still i don't know where the lily multiple is but when i bought that it was trading with a multiple like five or six there you go uh um, huh. you know now now it's trading with a multiple of what probably like 20 20 I, I don't know where it's at if you want to cover a short 132.98 uh that was your low in april Ooh, that's not good we're getting back to those levels uh near the uh march low what was the march low in this thing did that actually go lower let me see the monthly here. Uh, what was the low in March? The low in March, oh, 117.06. No, not in danger yet, Will Robinson. But uh, I don't know, 132.98 could come into play. That was your April low. 
All right, I know we didn't get to uh, take from the chat. I saw Chegg. I saw ATVI. I will cover all the – I'm going to go through, write them down. We'll cover these at the 3.40 p.m. Uh, show. Microsoft it, tonight. Don't forget Microsoft. How about AMD? Get, I hope someone listened to, when it got near 85. Did you look see Look at all that? the dips and rips to buy and Jesus sell here. Jesus Murphy. I'm gonna, oh, look at that. Almost got to yesterday's wild, high. Eh? Kaplooey. Where did it get to? 85? It almost got to 85 when Spencer bought it. Uh, <laughs> 76 85 wild range they can't figure out whether they like it or they don't i mean now you're getting a little more of a dip so yeah. maybe you know or this is risk arbs in here now too so obviously you're going to see lion links follow i'm going to be excited i'm going to make some money trading this deal all right all right buying and selling if you liked having dennis back hit that like button hit that subscribe button dennis we missed you for one day it's good to have you back like i said we'll cover all these tickers as many of them as we can at the 340 show. I want to thank our guest today, William Studebaker. Thanks to all of you in our chat. You can catch a replay of this on every major podcast platform, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Netflix. Et Not Netflix yet. Email us. Let's get on Netflix. Why aren't we on Netflix? Uh, well, we got a lot of people on Spotify. If yeah. Put a one in there if you found us on uh, Spotify. There we go. Email us, premarket at benzinga.com. And please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Good luck. Be safe. We'll see you in the afternoon. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.